Well, today we're going to be looking at something very, very big that took place in South Africa. A national uproar has been sparked in South Africa after at least 94 patients with mental health disabilities died after being moved by the government from hospitals to unlicensed health facilities. Last week, the country's health ombudsman released a report which detailed that the facilities that the patients were moved to were overcrowded and were selected in a hurried implementation process and this brought a lot of questions around the ethics in mental health well we're going to discuss this with uh, some of our experts on the line but we're going to start with the minister of health in south africa who's aaron Mutswaled, who's joining us on the line i know he's got a big schedule today because he has uh, the uh, sauna happening a little bit later in cape town but thank you minister for making time for us uh, minister Mutswaled, you are one of those uh, applauded ministers in South Africa, especially with your implementation when it comes to HIV AIDS and when it comes to some of the implementations and focuses you've had on areas such as TB. But in this particular situation, when it comes to this uh, mental health situation, are you actually disappointed that this took place under your watch, Minister? I think we've lost the minister there. He was there just now. I think we've just uh, lost him on the line. But let me see if we can actually uh, go back to some of our other guests and introduce them there. Uh, We've got Dr. Herman Rath, who is the specialist clinical psychologist, joining us from Namibia, Ventuk. And also we've got Professor uh, Kimantri Moodley, who is a bioethicist, who is joining us from the Center of Medical Ethics and Law Faculty at the University of Stellenbosch, part of the School of medicine. We also have Dr. Chris Ferster, who is a psychiatrist lecturer at the University of Stellenbosch School of Medicine. Let me start with you, uh, Dr. Herman Rath, in terms of looking at this particular situation itself. In terms of psychology, in terms of uh, ethics? Yes, thank you for the opportunity. Unfortunately, I'm not in a position to comment much on on the situation in South Africa. So, I uh, can obviously comment on, on what's happening in Namibia. Sure, go ahead, Doctor. Um, in Namibia, we have a situation that mental health patients are handled primarily by uh, the government or the state hospitals, but there are also some private private facilities who manages the uh, care of uh, psychiatric or mentally ill uh, mm-hmm. clients or patients. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the important thing is here that all such uh, facilities are registered with the uh, Health Professions Council mm-hmm. as well as with the uh, Ministry of Health and mm-hmm. Social Services in Namibia mm-hmm. uh, who takes care of that they are uh, good facilities available and the care is taken uh, or done properly. Mm. So well, that is basically so, the situation in, in, in America. Well, let me, let me come back to, I think we've got the minister back, uh, Minister Mutsualedi on the line. Minister, can you hear me there? Am I clear for you? Yeah. 
Fantastic. Mr. Minister, thank yes, you for thank giving you. us time. I know you've got limited time with us because you have a busy schedule today because of the State of the Nation address. But I just wanted to ask you a few questions in terms of the mental health uh, uh, industry in, in, in South Africa. I know you've been a minister who's been applauded many times because of your focus on HIV AIDS, your focus on TB and other areas in the medical health. But we had the situation that took place where at least 94 patients in South Africa uh, actually died because of they were removed from hospitals to unlicensed health facilities. Are you disappointed that this happened under your watch as Minister of Health? Well, I'm not only disappointed, Mm. I'm quite distressed and very angry. Mm, mm. I am very angry that something happened because it was not supposed to. Mm, mm. Because it's not that there was no plan and guidance. After the World Health Organization produced what they call the Global Action, uh, I mean, Mental Health uh, Global Action Plan, mm. 2018 to 2020, in South Africa, we held a mental health summit in 2012, involving mm. all the, the stakeholders. We have quite a number of experts and civil organizations uh, that are dealing with mental health in South Africa, and a lot of universities, as you know. We all called them to the summit, and the... Uh, after that summit, we developed what we called National Mental Health Policy Framework and Strategic Plan 2018-2020. Oh, I think we lost the minister there. There's something wrong with that particular line. I think we have to let him go because uh, uh, I'm not quite sure what's happening. We'll try to get him back, but I think because he has limited time, I'm not quite sure, but we wanted to get those answers from him there. Uh, we started the conversation with Dr. Herman Rath, who's joining us from Namibia, Vintuk, who's a specialist clinical psychologist there, looking at mental health in uh, Namibia there. But let's come to South Africa. We've got Professor Kimantri Moodley, who's a bioethicist joining us uh, from the University of Stellenbosch at the Center of Medical Ethics and Law Faculty. Uh, This this is a big story, Professor Moodley. What were your impressions when you saw all of this unfold, especially when it came to ethics in the health industry? Um, Good morning, Benjamin, and thank you for having me on the program. Um, Well, as the minister has already indicated, it's it's a very disappointing piece of news for healthcare in South Africa. Um, as you are aware, from an ethics perspective, um, it's you know governments have a moral obligation to ensure that the most vulnerable sectors of uh, civil society mm. receive additional protection, especially when they are in healthcare establishments, and so. Um, The deaths of these 94 people that we are uh, aware of at the moment is um, a very, very concerning uh, event in the healthcare of South, you know, of the in in terms of South African healthcare, and uh, there are uh, quite serious, I think, ethical and legal implications. 
Mm-hmm. Let me bring you uh, Dr. Chris Fenster joining us as well as uh, a psychiatrist also from the School of Medicine at the University of, of Stellenbosch. Your thoughts in terms of what went wrong in, in this regards? We know that these patients didn't necessarily die from mental health issues, but from other issues such as diarrhea, from uh, uh, the fact that they were dehydrated and other issues that had nothing to do with the fact that they were mentally ill. Uh, what were your concerns when this story particularly came out? And I know that we're using a microcosm situation here to look at the broader situation of mental health in South Africa. But I just want us to zoom into this just for a little while before we move on, Dr. Fester. Hi, Benjamin. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, the most distressing thing was actually, you alluded to this, how these patients eventually died. Um, because it, it was pure neglect. It, it really should not have happened, and, and it is extremely upsetting to anybody who, who might have read all the reports. Um, so I think if, if, you look, if you look at the, if the reports of the ombudsman, etc., um, clearly the centers that these patients were transferred to were not probably vetted and screened, and the, the, the people um, working at those various NGOs probably did not know how to, how to deal with these patients. And maybe there was not an, enough financial support, etc. Um, but this should never have happened. And if you consider that basically none of them were, were officially licensed, I, I do not really understand how this could have allowed, been allowed to happen. Um, and I think in the psychiatry fraternity, we were aware of this problem from quite some way back in last year already. Um, and there were attempts made to, to stop this process just going ahead until we, until there was there was assurance that there mm-hmm. were proper facilities in place, but this didn't happen. It was it, um, the South African Society of Psychiatrists were unable to prevent mm-hmm. this from happening. Mm-hmm. Let me bring in the minister. I think he's joining us once again there on the line. Um, I apologise for that line, uh, uh, minister. But you were expressing also your disappointment before that break and speaking about the fact that uh, there were a lot of uh, programs that were going to be ushered under uh, after uh, that particular. Summer you were talking about that was focusing on, on mental health. You can continue, Minister. Yes, I'm, I'm expressing more anger than anything because I said we, we develop a plan, mm. the National Mental Health Policy Framework and Strategic Plan 2013 to 2020, which outlines everything that must happen on mental health. Unfortunately, what the Department of Health in Gauteng do was completely to push that plan aside and do something else which nobody has ever heard about. Uh, uh, and that's why it even appears in the Umbat person findings that the mental uh, health plan of the country set up by the National Department was deliberately misinterpreted, it was mispresented, and, and just, just generally defied. It was not even followed. And, and, and so it's not because of a lack of plan, it's not because... We did not uh, uh, put up anything about mental health. Is that that, that some people who, who will have to answer, as we have heard uh, from the Umbas person, that they must be charged, must go and tell the nation why why something like this uh, had to happen, even when there's a plan. Why did they cast it aside? Why didn't they listen to many people who were worried about this?
Minister, in, in terms of uh, the fact that uh, there seems to have been kind of a gap, in a, a, I don't know if it was an administrative gap or it was a planning gap within uh, the Gauteng region and the Department of Ministry, the National Department of Ministry. How do these two work hand in hand? Because there seems to be a kind of a gap somewhere in terms of communications, in terms of implementation processes there, Minister. Well, as I said, we grew up this trend at the national level. We then have a structure called uh, National Health Council. Mm. Some departments in South Africa call it a MINMEC. That's where the MECs and the, the nine MECs of provincial government and the minister and their HODs and the director general need. But in health, it also includes South African military health services and local government association because some metros in South Africa are responsible for health. So that structure called National Health Council is actually a statutory structure. It even went on to adopt the plan and give it a go-ahead and even advise that, I mean, the, the mental health plan and even advise us mm, in mm, mm. the plan. We have to have district teams. Mm. Now, South Africa has got 52 districts. We said each district must have a psychiatrist, a psychologist, mm. a social worker, an occupational therapist and a psychiatric nurse. Mm. They are the ones who must decide what to do if there are any changes among mental health patients in that area. If they have to put up a new plan or move them to some area, etc. They are the ones who took up a who must take a decision and decant them very thoroughly. Now since that time, because this is a very long term thing, mm. we only established seven ten teams. That means in seven uh, districts. Mm. Now, what happened here is that the province never ever uh, announced to us or informed us that they mm. are carrying on with some plan which we don't know about. All we heard is that it's too expensive for them to put patients mm. in, in life if it may. Uh, a contract which was belonged to the national government uh, but transferred to province by 2002. So they never told us about that. Now, what happened is that some of the NGOs, led by Section 27, mm. uh, wrote to the minister and the DG. That means wrote to the national department mm. uh, uh, to raise this issue. The DG wanted to know what it is because she didn't even know what, what is this thing. If I go to discuss with the minister, what am I going to tell him? What, what, what is happening? Mm, mm. Are they complaining about the plan which has been adopted by everybody else? Or are they complaining about something else which you don't know? Then she organized a meeting together with the head of the Department of Houten, the one who has just been suspended, mm -hmm. to understand, and she facilitated mm. uh, a discussion between the NGO, South African uh, Society of, I mean, Depression and Society Group, etc., etc. They mm -hmm. put up a plan and even signed for it. Now, the DG, in her submission to the Umbad said, they, 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 the NGOs, I mean the civil society, not NGOs, they asked that uh, that plan maybe be made an order mm -hmm. of court. And the department, out in the provincial government said no. Why do we have to go to court on something that we are agreeing on? Mm -hmm. Together with civil society and us, we are agreeing that this is the, this is the plan we are going to follow. Why do we need a judge? Mm -hmm. Because uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the agreement. Mm -hmm. So, so then the DG pulled out and believed the problem was solved. Then mm. she says she was surprised to hear on radio that uh, the department has won. 
the provincial department of health has won a court case. When she inquired again, what is it all about? She was told that no, when they were implementing that plan, they were challenged and they wanted to interdict it, but the province won it. And the, the HOD told the DG, you guys at national level, you are troubling us. Even the court agrees with us that our plan is perfect. So please get off our backs. Let's, mm. let's go on with the work. Mm. Uh, the court has given us a go ahead. And of course, the DG got out believing everything mm. that worked. Mm. Mm. Maybe, maybe there's something that they don't understand. If the court agrees, mm. maybe they put a credible plan in front of the court. Sure. Then uh, the next thing we heard, mm. hello? So carry on, Minister. Yes, the next thing we heard was when the MEC itself was announcing the 36 deaths. Mm. Then that's when I eventually, in terms of Section 101 of the Health Act, moved in. I did not just move in immediately by bringing the umbats. I informed the umbats. I knew it's time for the umbats to, mm. to, to, to act. So mm. I've got a ministerial advisory committee, mm. which is headed by Professor Solira Daimani, mm. the head of psychiatry from the Safago Mahatu uh, Medical uh, Sciences University. Mm. So... I told him to go immediately to this mm. NGO. Take, what are these NGOs? Mm. Uh, who, who are they? Because I don't know about them here at national level. I wasn't told mm. that there are any groups of people who have been licensed to, to keep patients beyond the structures that we already know, beyond our public hospitals and the private ones which have been contracted. Go and check. Mm. And mm. they went and indeed they found that some of them are in townships. And I told them, if you believe, even before the umbat, if you believe that there's something wrong which mm. you see there, even without checking the legalities or who did it or who did what, just take those patients away and close the, the facility. So let, let, let me... what happened. That's why they closed these uh, precious angels where, where 20 people died. They closed it immediately. So uh, uh, that, that work was done within... Mm. The, Within 48 hours, mm. they already visited 17 of the 25 NGOs. Mm, I think that's that's very comprehensive, Minister. The way you kind of showed us the the the, the ways in which this all t- took place. I just want to move on to you, Professor Kimandri Moodley, in terms of the complexities, because as explained by the Minister of Health, it seems it's very complex to deal with mental health care because there is a difference between health care behavior around mental the men- mental. Dis- disabled and those who aren't the treatment is is very different it needs a certain kind of approach especially from an ethical perspective from a psychologist perspective and also from a perspective of psychiatry uh, your thoughts on how the difference is between a normal health care treatment of a normal person and someone who might be disabled mentally mm-hmm. so i think we need to accept that uh, mental dis- health is and people with with mental health disorders have a disease mm. similar to other diseases except that in some cases patients with me- certain mental health diagnoses are not able to make their own decisions or they lack the capacity to consent and in terms of care there is therefore an additional level of care mm. that is necessary uh, however, they enjoy the same rights in terms of respecting their dignity, uh, their right to, to health care, and their right to be treated well when they are in hospital, similar to any other patient. Uh, in this particular case, it appears as if uh, their rights to basic 
health needs mm, mm. Were, were, were not met. Mm. And if we think about it, it does not appear as if these 94 patients died of psychiatric diseases. Mm. It appears from the reports that they died of neglect, uh, starvation, dehydration, mm, mm. and other conditions. So in this case, it was a matter of their basic health needs not being met while they were in uh, these NGO uh, facilities. Mm. I want to come back to you, Dr. Herman Rath. I know that you can't speak on this situation in South Africa, but because you are in the same field, even though you are in Namibia, I want to look at this particular issue from your view. I don't know. I think we've lost the minister there. So let me just try rephrase that for you, Dr. Herman Ruth, in, in terms of just the ethical imperatives around the mentally disabled. There is definitely an ethical ideology that must be adopted by a doctor, by a psychiatrist, or even the nurses themselves or the staff working around those people. Perhaps I... Perhaps I should start off with saying, you know, universally in, in virtually all the countries that I visited or saw, uh, mental health is, it's an unfortunate situation that mental health is often the Cinderella of health services. Um, so if there's cuts to be made in terms of finances, you will often find that mental health issues are uh, the first to be cut on a budget. I think that mm-hmm. is a universal thing, not only to South Africa or Namibia, so. but you find it all over the world. Now, the, the problem that I see is that, you know, mental health clients or patients are particularly vulnerable to mm-hmm. uh, uh, neglect, for example, to uh, um, un- not necessarily receiving enough food and care. Mm. So one needs special treatment, special training in terms of those people, and you can't just let them loose on their own because they often won't survive. Secondly, they're also vulnerable uh, due to the fact that they are often on very high um, medication, which of course has a lot of uh, side effects that needs to be monitored. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that, 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 that people, you know, the, the, the lives lost, I hope, of, of, of the 94 patients mm-hmm. were not in vain in mm-hmm. sense of that, that the public will see now, but we need to look at the, the Cinderella of health services mm-hmm. and uh, provide proper care. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, Dr. Chris Fenster, let me bring you in as well. Just uh, reading some of the uh, commentary that came up. Saso President uh, Professor Bernard Janse van Rensburg said the current situation was a direct result of an accumulating years of neglect, delay, and failure to prioritize mental health care services. Almost echoing what Dr. Herman Rath is saying in terms of prioritizing uh, health, uh, mental health, rather, care services in, 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 in various countries. Is there a structural problem here when it comes to prioritizing mental health in various countries? Dr. Fenster? So obviously, it's difficult to uh, comment exactly what's happening sure. in other countries. Sure. But I do think I agree with Dr. Rath. It is a worldwide issue. And specifically in South Africa, unfortunately, that is the truth. Um, on paper, and the minister has alluded to this, we have very good policies in place. We have a Mental Health Care Act, which is quite comprehensive. Um, But unfortunately, um, when it comes to implementation, 
there doesn't seem to be much drive to make sure that the letter of the law is implemented. Um, so so the, 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 the result of this is that the mental health patients are in, in, in a certain way being neglected and left behind. I can, I can give an example, for instance, um, if you look at the whole process of involuntary admissions, mm. the Mental Health Care Act, which was enacted about 13, 14 years ago, said that these patients need to go to special psychiatric units at district-level hospitals. Mm. Um, the law was implemented. These patients are being admitted to district psychiatric or district hospitals, mm. but these psychiatric facilities, in the vast majority of cases, have never been built. Even in 2017, most hospitals still do not have these dedicated psychiatric facilities. So this is the reality that, that psychiatry and mental health. Unfortunately, the impression is that um, it is being sort of one of the last aspects that is attended to. Mm. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to our guests. So we're looking at uh, mental health today uh, because there was a big story made international news, an unfortunate situation where 94 patients with mental health disabilities died after being removed from uh, a hospital to unlicensed health facilities. We're asking the question on our social media. South Africans have raged about this situation. What taboos have you heard about uh, the mentally challenged? That's another area. What taboos have you heard about the mentally a challenge. We know on the continent we have that particular uh, problem itself. But we're going to come back to our guests and uh, continue this conversation. I'm told that even the minister wants to continue to talk to us. We really appreciate that. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us on uh, DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. On our service into the continent, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. We're also online where you can stream us live on our website. Today, we're looking at ethics in mental health. After this big situation that made headlines all over the world, I saw it even on The Guardian and other big uh, international uh, outlets uh, uh, looking at this particular story. And on the line, we're joined by uh, South Africa's uh, um, health minister, uh, Aaron Mutsualedi, who's given us his time. Uh, Thank you for that. Thank you also to our other guest, Dr. Herman Rath, is also on our line. He's a specialist clinical psychologist joining us from Namibia. In Vintok, we also have Professor Kimantri Moodley, who's a bioethicist from the Center of Medical Ethics and Law Faculty at the University of Stellenbosch, and Dr. Chris Fenster who's a psychiatrist as well, joining us from the School of Medicine at the University of Stellenbosch. I want to come to you, um, Minister Aaron Mutsualedi, in terms of some of the views that came out from our various uh, 
panel members who are speaking about just the shortage, especially Dr. Chris Fester, who's highlighted the fact that there isn't much enough um, health uh, uh, professional uh, providers out there. I mean, uh, when you look at some of the stats, uh, the WHO organization said in South Africa, we only had 1.58 psychosocial providers for every 100,000 people in the same period. Uh, Argentina had 13.19 psychosocial providers for every 100,000 people. So there is a shortage because there was a recommendation of an increase of uh, around uh, 2.937 physiosocial uh, professionals. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, Minister. Yes, indeed, Benjamin. The, the, the shortage of health workers around the whole world is, is, is well known and is clearing. It's only that in the richer developed countries is much better, but they also have a shortage. Otherwise, they won't be coming to recruit uh, from the poor countries because they do recruit. We, we have UK, Canada, US, Australia, all recruiting little number of doctors that are left in, in, in African countries like South Africa. It means even them have got a shortage. That's why the United Nations Secretary General, the, the outgoing one, has put up a commission called Health, Employment and Economic Growth to look into this issue whereby they are saying we must create around the world 40 million healthcare jobs mm. uh, uh, by 2030 to try and solve this problem. And 18 million will be in, in developing countries, especially in Africa. So Africa has especially been declared a crisis zone in terms of healthcare professionals around the whole world. So that one is well known. Now, in South Africa, it's made worse by the fact that the majority of doctors, uh, let's, see, let's come with general, uh, generally doctors, mm-hmm. 50% of them are in the private sector, saving only 16% of the population. Mm-hmm. When it comes to specialists, it's even worse. Eighty percent of specialists in mm-hmm. South Africa are in the private sector, saving only eighteen percent of the population. Uh, in terms of figures, saving eight million people as against the forty-three million who are remaining in the in the uh, in the in the uh, public sector. So that inequality also is also a problem. That, in other words, apart from a global shortage, there is also a local shortage which is formed by informed by inequality. That's why. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, the, the policy document of the National Health Insurance, we are making proposals on how that needs to be resolved, how all the people of South Africa must be on one uh, system of pooling of funds, not different pri- private medical schemes, one pooling of funds, whereby they can utilize doctors in both public and private, so mm-hmm. that the little resource we have got can be used by the whole population, not the selected few like myself who, who have got that's, that's one way of solving mm. the problem in the long term. Let me bring that to the other guests because that is a very fundamental issue there, the, the excess of uh, healthcare professionals. And it's a big thing on the continent, especially when healthcare sometimes is privatized. Your thoughts there, Dr. Herman Rath, on, on, on that particular issue brought on there by the Minister, the minister of Health in South Africa? Yes, I, I, I'm of, of, of the opinion that uh, health should be uh, available to all people uh, of any country. The, 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 the situation is that the, the privatization often increases the quality of service to be rendered. 
especially in terms of, of uh, mental health issues. We had uh, in the 80s or the late 70s, you had huge uh, psychiatric hospitals all over uh, the world or in the country, and there was a movement away from that, uh, especially in Europe and the developed countries. What we have in, 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 in Southern Africa or in the African context is the, the whole question of urbanization, specifically uh, adding to uh, the woes of, of the mentally uh, ill people. Before urbanizations in the rural areas that we often find in Namibia where I had, or in Southern Africa, where I had the opportunity to, to work with mental health in rural areas, you will find there that the society uh, uh, through uh, uh, all the ages learned how to handle and manage the mentally uh, ill people. But through urbanization, these people were simply catched up in a void, having serious problems, and surely something has to be done about that. You can't reverse mm -hmm. serious problems, and mm -hmm. surely... Mm. Well, let me come to you, um, uh, Professor Kimantri Mudli, because I also am interested in, in that particular factor of should we decentralize integrated primary mental health care services or is centralization more important? Because this situation that we saw recently is an example of decentralization and where there's actually a loss of control from a national level. Should we not rethink of how we actually centralize these uh, services? I know that's also another complicated aspect when it comes to these particular services. Professor mm -hmm. Moodley? Yes. So, uh, Benjamin, uh, the, the, it, it's very clear that there was uh, quite a significant breach in communication mm. between central yeah, government and provincial government in this particular case. And so well, I, I just have to stop you there. I'm sorry, Professor Mudlid. Um, there's someone who probably is listening to the program somewhere in the background. I'm, I just would like you just to take it down a little bit because we're hearing echoes uh, from where we are currently. Uh, you, you can continue, uh, Professor Mudlid. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can okay. hear you. And so... Um, Certainly, there is a national health plan in terms of mental health. We have an excellent mental health care act, but implementation of all these policies and, and regulations, you know, at the level of, at the point of care is really important, and there seems to be a lack of translation of policy mm, into practice. Mm, mm, mm. Um, also, there's the question of governance and accountability. Mm. So irrespective of which system you have in place, one has to hold various uh, leaders, lead, people holding leadership positions mm. out mm. along the way accountable for the delivery of uh, high-quality, safe health care. And so it's really important to ensure that people who are given the responsibility of these positions are adequately qualified. Mm. To, For example, mm. the MEC of Health, should be a medical doctor. Mm, mm. And it is extremely controversial when we have non-medical people appointed to these extremely responsible positions. Mm, mm. And the result is an, you know, an example of, of, of a possible outcome is what has just happened mm. with these psychiatric patients. So I think in terms of appointing people who are competent to do the job, to fulfill the requirements of a particular job, I think that's really very important. Mm. 
And we need to look very seriously into how that is happening because irrespective of whether we have a centralized or a decentralized healthcare delivery system for mental health, we need to have the correct people mm. doing the job. Mm. And Let they me, need to be held accountable. Mm. Let me get, bring uh, Dr. Ferster in. Your thoughts on where we are right now with the conversation, uh, Doctor? No, I agree with Prabhupada. I think... Um, but I'm not sure that, that centralization or going back to a, pro- a program of centralization would be the solution. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we, we cannot proceed with decentralization and deinstitutionalization um, in the case of medical health patients if the policies are not properly enacted and if, uh, if there's not accountability and, and proper governance, because mm-hmm. otherwise this kind of thing will happen again. Um, I just also want to allude to something that the, the minister has said. Um, I also happen to be one of the doctors working for the state, or one of the few. Mm. But I can tell you it's not a question of doctors not wishing to work for the state. Whenever we have, we, we have a, or in the rare cases, we have medical officer posts available or clinical psychologist posts available, there are numerous applications. So doctors really want to work for the state. But at this mm. stage, unfortunately, the posts are not there. And, and I know we are under financial pressure. Mm. We hear about this every day. I can understand that. Mm. But but we have to address this in some in some way. Otherwise, otherwise the inequalities will just persist. Mm. Well, let me wrap it up with you, Minister. Uh, is there a way forward? We have about a minute left or so. Uh, but I just want to hear from you in terms of, of the way forward here. Minister Mswaledi, are you there? Oh, I think we lost the minister there. Uh, but uh, Dr. Herman Rath, with all these challenges, I, I'm going to wrap it up with you because I can't hear the minister there. I think we've lost him on the line. I don't. Let me try him again. Minister, are you there? I think we've lost him. Definitely, we've lost him. Um, let Let me wrap it up with you, Dr. Herman Rath, in terms of uh, moving forward with all these challenges that we've highlighted. There's a financial strain. Definitely, there is. There's lack of resources. Centers. The professionals are not really there. Uh, so so what more do we need to do to create a better path forward? I think, the, the, in essence, we need to have empathy with the mentally ill patients mm. uh, or the mentally ill part of our population. And we need to take care in a proper way, not allowing policies or finances to uh, disrupt this empathy and feeling for those who cannot uh, do everything for themselves who are in a way handicapped. Uh, so it's a question of pro- uh, promoting the care mm. of the mentally ill people. Uh, I think the facilities and everything mm. is there. It's a question of organizing it. Mm. Well, thank you to all our guests for giving us their time. A very complex conversation indeed, but I think uh, we did come up with some of uh, uh, the real issues that we needed to unpack in this particular program. I think we left out some of the big issues as well on the content, such as taboos, but I think uh, we were looking at the more systematic issues today. But thank you to uh, Professor Kimandra Moodley, who's joining us on the line from Cape Town. She's a bioethicist. She is also the head of the Center of Medical Ethics and law faculty at the University of Stellenbosch. Thank you as well to Dr. Herman Rath, who is a specialist clinical psychologist in uh, Windhoek, Namibia. And a thank you to Dr. Chris Fester, who is a psychiatrist and lecturer at the University of Stellenbosch School of Medicine. Thank you all for giving us your time. We really, really, really appreciate it.